From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones. This is part two of The Event Horizon, a three-part series where we're considering creation and destruction. If you haven't heard part one, go back and listen. In part one, we learned that black holes create galaxies. And that led me to wonder, is this an insane thing that only happens with black holes? Or does it happen in other places, too? I think creation is always usually born out of destruction and vice versa. I think they they feed each other. I have to write 200 words to find 50 that I like. That's writer Ammon Medina and oil painter Luke Anderson. Luke says that after he finishes most of his paintings, they'll sit for a few months or a year. Then he reconsiders them. I'll either totally paint over it or actually remove the canvas and start over completely new, or I'll, I'll tear it off and actually cut the canvas into multiple different mini compositions and create new paintings from that destruction. Here's Ammon, the writer. Yeah, I think any act of creation is an act of destruction. If you look at the canon, there are thousands of stories that are told throughout history about white men, right? And like in those stories, the stories of women are being destroyed, the story of people of color are being destroyed. In that creation, we're, we're excluding, we're destroying other creations of narratives. And my poems, certainly I'm, you know, I'm writing about my past and I'm seeing it in a way that maybe my mother certainly will have a different memory of. And so my, even my creation or construction of that is excluding or, you know, (laughs) perhaps as it's published and more people are reading mine, kind of destroying, you know, other people's memories of those moments. I've been reading a lot about creativity lately. Everybody has different ideas. Austin Kleon, the author of Steal Like an Artist, says to jump in, that you'll figure it out as you go. And in her book, Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert describes a magical concept of an idea verse where ideas float around and attach to you in an effort to collaborate. And all of this, everything I've read lately about creativity feels really familiar. That's because before I read Cleon or Gilbert, I read Julia Cameron. She wrote a book back in 1992 called The Artist's Way, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity. The premise is that we're all creative people and that creativity is a natural flowing force. All we have to do is unblock the flow. In the book, Julia Cameron outlines a set of activities and exercises toward this unblocking aim. I see the influence of the artist's way in pretty much every book I read now about creativity. And so I wanted to know what Julia Cameron thinks about whether creativity and destruction make each other. I think an alert attention is integral to creation. And that may sometimes mean that we come across something that needs to be deconstructed uh, in order for us to go forward. Julia Cameron thinks of the creative flow as a spiritual experience. I think when you work with Artist Way tools, you are put in touch with a sort of benevolent force. 
you begin to have a sense of optimism and the feeling that maybe what we're doing is supported by a benevolent force. And some people call that God. I guess on a sort of theological or spiritual note, um, God in many different religions can be a pretty destructive force. You know, certainly the Old Testament God and a lot of Hindu gods. And so I guess I wonder, what do you think the relationship is there between God's destructiveness and God's creative benevolence? Well, I think that the destructiveness is always moving us in a good direction, even though it doesn't seem like it. What do you mean? I mean that there's always a silver lining, which we need to learn to be alert for. So I think... I think that this is a sort of an unusual interview uh, because I don't focus much on destruction. But why do our stories about God, or a God, or the gods, have this duality between creation and destruction? You know, like black holes, creative, destructive, somehow outside the bounds of space and time and seemingly outside the limits of moral interpretations. And then I started reading about a goddess who embodies all of this. Kali is a Hindu goddess. Her name means time or force of time. She's a mother and a wife and a nurturer. But also in stories, she is the decisive one, the violent one, the one who won't be controlled. Folks call upon her to help them in the battlefield. Space and time don't apply to her. She's always existed and always will. Things that are usually non-negotiable, qualities like good and bad, are irrelevant when it comes to Kali. Brenda Dalmia is a feminist philosopher at the University of Hawaii. She writes about the poetry of Ramprasad Sen, a Kali worshiper who lived in the 1700s. Dalmia describes how Kali is portrayed in Ramprasad's poems. A naked and intoxicated female, dark, bloodstained, and disheveled, dancing on the prostrate body of Shiva, her husband, with her tongue lolling out, wearing nothing except a garland of human heads around her neck, a girdle of severed human hands around her waist, and infant corpses as earrings. Yet, strangely enough, the devotee sees in this macabre picture an impossible beauty and a mother. The mother here is anything but domestic and anything but nurturing. My colleague Caroline Ballard is giving voice to Vrinda Delmia's writing. Delmia says Kali could be read a few ways. She might be as terrifying as she is because of male fear of female sexuality. Or she might be feminist. A mother who is not afraid of stepping out of the conventions of motherhood to express herself, her rage, and her needs. 
mostly Kali is divine contradiction. But thinking about Kali led me to wonder about mothers here on Earth. Think of a really good mother. Nurturing, comforting, loving. But if artists and Kali, both creators, are destructive, aren't mothers too? You could argue that mothers are the most literally creative people that exist. They make other humans. They make ourselves. And if someone has the power to give life, can't they also destroy it? To be clear, I'm not talking about a bad mom who neglects or abuses a kid. I'm talking about good moms. I think Kali can help us think about the way mothers are destroyers. Kali is nature, birth and decay, all at once. She is change itself. Here's more of what Dalmia says. Whatever or whoever is associated with nature, women, indigenous cultures, emotionality, sexuality, is consequently perceived as being in need of control and ultimately is appropriated and owned. In an attempt to overcome death, man has sought self-definitions in forms that deny his embeddedness and necessary dependence on nature, the realm of death and decay. Basically, attempts to control nature are attempts to control death. Mothers are nature. In creating life, they are implying death. Life begets death. If you birth somebody, you set them on an inexorable path to death. So the act of conception culminates in destruction. Kali is a storm of contradictions. Maybe it's because she embodies the space where death and life define each other. So do black holes, and maybe artists and mothers. So for the final part of this series, we'll hear a story about a woman who found life in death. And her story ties all of this together. Find part three now. It's already in your feed.